0: Just a quick editor's note. On the episode about Dark Winds, we mentioned that we thought Chris Eyre was the showrunner. For season 2, the showrunner is John Worth. We apologize for this error.
1: No, oh, hey, welcome back to Real Indigenous, uh, where we talk about everything on your screen and everything in between, uh, as usual. So, I'm here with some usual guests. We've got uh, Tully. Uh, You've got Angela. McLevty. And uh, Matt Barst. Hello. And we're just going to kind of give our brief responses to the first episode of the season three series. Of reservation dogs, right? Episode three, or excuse me,
0: season three, episode one, called bussin So can right. I jump in real quick? Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like they were just tying things up real quick. Kind of surprised at how the father issue was wrapped up in a bow. The they were stuck on a you know put on a bus, so they're already on their way back. Da 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 Bye, white Jesus. We love you. Let's all go home because we want to be home
2: yeah, I wondered how they would wrap that up because it was like you was the next season gonna be all California or partly California, but they kind of just kind of just quickly wrapped it. Did they find their money?
0: No, see. Uh, and they didn't talk about <clears throat> the, the missing the stolen car, the money, uh, how they got hold of anybody to tell them that they were lost. Any, yeah,
1: and, and there's an important element here that I think we somehow forget, or I completely forgot, and nobody ever mentions it, is that Daniel's letter like a very important part of this whole piece is missing with the missing money and the car like that oh. never gets readdressed. So that's an interesting thing. Um, well, thanks Angela. He's got to go. So we'll continue on without Angela's input.
3: Um, yeah, it feels like they had to get out of California as, as quickly as possible. It could be logistics, I guess of not being able to shoot
2: there. And I'm sure they didn't know they were going to have a final season in the third season. Yeah, yeah. feel like this that would have been the final scene, at least a part of the final season, where they go to finally get to California because that was the whole goal since the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. I would have thought that would have been cool if they just went to towards the end or at the end went to California.
1: We definitely missed the sense that we wanted to see more L.A. and I'm sure some of it was budgetary. I'm sure some of it was logistical. Tully's mentioning that he thinks it might be also that they weren't certain they were going to have a final
3: third season. It felt like they ended or yeah. it could have ended on that season two. They they could have ended there.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So it's it seems like we are definitely sensing that there's sort of like a missing it seems like we're we're sensing that somehow there's acrobatics on the writing side to accommodate the fact that they either can't shoot in LA or they didn't intend to keep shooting in LA. Maybe they just gotta keep shooting here in Oklahoma. So I'm sensing that we think it's a little bit awkward, maybe. And Angela's saying they were just had to like easily tie things up, like with the father, for example. Did you think, Matt, uh, Tully, did you see it? Did you watch it yet? Watch Not it yet. I don't know. One of I've those bad playing, names. I had yeah. run off. <laughs> so, Matt, did was there something that you were liking um, something that was working for you
3: about the first episode I always liked Dallas goldtooth the kind of the way they were recapping things, how he was this storytelling um because I don't think they did that in the previous seasons him talking like that um that was really engaging to me even even if even though a lot of it was recap I don't know he's always he's always great to watch,
1: yeah, and it seems like this episode I'm not sure if this is because there's so much Dallas or Knife Man voiceover and storytelling, but he's one of the writers of this particular episode. He and Sterling.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. So I don't know if it's, I don't know what came first. If it's like Mm -hmm. Dallas was assigned as writer. And so there was more Knife Man. Or if it's like, they needed Knife Man to figure things through. And on set, Dallas is writing. But yeah, we get more Knife Man.
2: Yeah. Plus Knife Man is kind of like the, quote-unquote breakout character of the series. So I wonder if that were, they were just trying to service the uh, the the fans who want to see more Knife Man. Because wasn't there like a rumor going around they were going to do a Knife Man series or something, or even a special?
1: I'm sure there's a, a series of, you know, possible backdoor pilots, yeah. This could be one, you know. It does seem like we're getting to learn a little bit more of the rules of the spirit world here in relation to Knife Man. What he knows, what he doesn't know. Where we are when we start, even though it seemed like the last episode of season two, it seemed like we were kind of seeing Bear divorce himself a little bit, right? That Knife Man only appears as that like that machine, the fortune telling medicine man machine. Mm-hmm. um It seemed like he was maybe walking away from incorporating him into a spiritual life. But yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense that they're including him more, mm-hmm. giving Dallas some credit to well, like, include him somehow.
3: What's interesting about that. And this is kind of jumping around. To ep- I'm jumping ahead to episode three. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Should we go in order? Why not? Yeah. I mean, it feels like, and I uh, just from my memory, because um, I was watch. I watched these as they come out. I-, I didn't revisit the prior seasons to to this one. Bear meeting deer woman. It it seems like anything that was supernatural or involving the spirit world was almost kind of uh, in the characters' heads or it could, it could, it could have been not necessarily affecting the real world, but like episode three, like, it's like, she's, she's not a dream. She's not a hallucination. Like she's like, she's there. And it feels like they're, they're finally saying, yeah, this, this is, this is real. This is like really going on. These characters are really experiencing this. It almost feels like it almost felt like twin peaks to me as far as approaching Approaching spirits, like 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 characters are kind of accepting. Well, no, this is like this is this isn't just you know I'm not just seeing this. This is like affecting other people. She she is having an effect on other people's destiny.
2: With our cosmology, that's kind of how we view things or experience things. The first time we see Dear Woman, she is a physical being because remember she beats up those guys who are who are robbing the store. Yeah, and then she runs off with the uh, Chi.
3: I guess because the main care, the main cast wasn't experiencing it. I guess maybe that's why I'm thinking that
1: it it does sort of play like it's somebody telling a story, uh, or it's you know how maybe memory and uh, it, memory is fallible, or we embellish when we remember, and that becomes our memory.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I,
3: how I was interpreting it.
2: And even on that kind of ideas, at least I do. Like you always have these cats who have had these experiences of meeting these kind of beings. I never like assume they're bullshitting me. I just take it as face values. They're mm-hmm. telling me it's an experience, and so I don't know, you know, the reality of it. But because it is real to me, I'm assuming, you know, these characters are real, you know. And so maybe that's what the uh, Knife Man series will be all the all the all these beings who who live within this <laughs> this world. Of Knife Man with adventures with White Jesus and Knife Man <laughs> <laughs> adventures with Dear Woman.
1: One thing, just while we're talking about Knife Man, I think. It was really interesting how we kind of see him, like just the way it was shot, the first scene. It's very like painterly, like classic, like, you know, flat almost, like that there's no depth with the sky that sort of takes over the background. mm -hmm. And he's positioned on a horse and he's positioned looking towards the left of the frame. Very classic position for most tribal artists that are painting, you know, imagery of warriors on horses. And even the way that the camera shoots the rest of the scene, it like just goes in closer. It like doesn't, there's like almost no depth and it. it's sort of like a a flattening of space and sort of like a more traditional imagery to, I guess, the spirit world in that case. And this is sort of also like a new like uh, oh, a depiction, I think. It seems like whenever we're, Experiencing Knife Man in um, Bear's Eyes, it's always like another character, and they're sort of like it's shot with the sense of depth, and he's moving around with there's depth, and Mm -hmm. um, except for maybe the first appearance um, in the very first episode. But I just thought that was really interesting. Just sort of feels like they're paying attention to like how imagery, what our imagery is of these kinds of characters, I guess, in history of art, not just like film which it seems like up to this point, they've been kind of referencing other movies and stuff. I think that was kind of interesting. I don't know if this is because of Dennis or, or who, but I thought that was kind of cool.
2: Because Dennis Goulet directed that episode. It vibed with her other movie, Night Raiders. Did you guys feel that?
1: I feel like maybe the third episode is a little bit more like Night Raiders and that the third episode, Dear Lady, feels like it's a genre episode. Definitely feels like there's like horror and there's suspense that's built um the first episode feels maybe more like it's a classic 30-minute episodic of a comedy it feels like we were really trying to like emphasize the awkwardness between the characters and there's like a mistaken identity that happens and and there's a lot of like cussing as like punctuation points to like a joke and the characters that they meet in these different environments feels like they were meant to be more comedic but the third one definitely feels like there's a lot of implied violence there's like a world that's being built in the past and the world in relation to the mythology of dear woman or i guess dear lady which feels closer to her feature than um maybe this one but it it's hard not to feel that from her work
3: yeah it kind of turns into a revenge revenge movie
1: yeah it definitely does yeah dear ladies got out for revenge
2: yeah and that's the origin of dear lady right it's it's yeah. It's an origin story, yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: In that way it's also a genre, you know, like a native genre as an origin story. I guess also like if you know, if it's somewhere in the hybrid area of like just American cinema or American storytelling, it's also like maybe a a superhero origin story because she's got by the end of the episode she's got two names just like any superhero character, whether they're a protagonist or antagonist or an anti-hero or a hero. She's got there's two names. And then she definitely has an outfit and then she definitely has abilities. Um, And then she definitely has this sort of like maybe sidekick. Bear sort of becomes a little (laughs) bit of a sidekick.
2: (laughs) So in this episode, Bear interacts with dear lady. Is that correct?
1: Mm -hmm. In episode three? Yes. Episode three, dear lady, which was also directed by Dennis Goulet written by Sterling. Yeah. Uh, Bear is on his way back from LA. He, doesn't make it on the bus, whereas all the other res rats, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is what Knifeman calls them at one point, um, all of the, everybody else gets on the bus and they go home with Teenie, um, but he's left to wander. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit of a holdover from like the, that machine, the fortune teller machine, because that's like something that comes out on like that little ticket or something. And then he reiterates that, uh, Knife Man reiterates that later but there's like that statement from the vending machine that says the path you are on is unsure. You must pave new ways. Or you'll probably die. So we kind of see a new path that bear is taking, you know, by the end of the first episode, I think he is standing at crossroads, like literally it's almost maybe overly telegraphed, but like he's standing at like an intersection, like, you know, at the end of, passed away where it's like where's tom hanks gonna go and it's the same thing where's bear gonna go is he gonna go down this road or that road and kind of see forever while his friends are at home i mean it's thematic Willie jack and cheese on the bus ride well everybody's separated they have a conversation about whether or not um bear and allura are gonna leave they think that's the case and Willie jack's telling and almost maybe like comforting cheese that she's not gonna leave leave him like everybody else so there's like these options of like going somewhere new, possibly specifically for Alora and for Bear. I feel like those are the strong points of the episode a little bit. Besides the fact that we learn a lot more about Allura than we have before.
2: Or perhaps yeah. it's the crossroads of Thunderheart. <laughs> crossroads
1: <laughs> of Thunderheart, <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's totally happening. And so
2: in the... <laughs> first season dear woman interacted with the the police officer right so now she's interacting with bear
1: she's interacting with bear having conversation at a table she's Three in pie. a diner eating. yeah she's ordered two pies apple pie and cherry pie even though in the middle of their conversation she's like you know flashing there's like it's intercut with scenes of her past. And when we come back, she's like not eating either apple or cherry pie. I think she's eating like a blueberry pie. So there's like maybe more than two pies,
2: but there, what does that mean? mean? Symbolically. Yeah. What does that mean?
1: I mean, you know, it's like first she orders two pies without Bear even being there. And the waitress is like, that's a lot of pie. And then I wish I had your metabolism. Uh, And she makes like this little like grin, you know, And it's maybe a joke about her being an animal or a spirit uh, with an insatiable appetite. I think that's one of them. And we're learning about what that appetite is. And it's maybe for vengeance. And we understand why it's related to vengeance, you know. But then also the pie becomes something that is able to be shared with bear. And I think we're learning in this episode that dear lady has the ability to see beyond time. Cause there's like a moment where she has a flashback and she flashes back to things that we see in the past uh, at this boarding school. And then we see elements that happen with bear in the future before she actually, before we see that she meets him. So it could be also that she's anticipating him being there and being a part of her journey. So it could be that. And then the fact that there's another pie somehow means that there's another, there's another piece to the story that we have yet to understand. And by the end of the episode, I think we come to understand that a little bit more. And it's all delicious, it's all dessert, a genre film, <laughs> and everybody gets their just
2: desserts. I think by the end of the episode. Oh, mm-hmm. good one! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sunrise brings out his Jean Shallot. <laughs> Is that the guy who always did those stupid puns?
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the, the colonizer that does them, does bad things. I think, you know, it's like left off screen for a variety of different ways. We don't know what's going on in the boarding school. Just kids are dragged off. Kiowa speaking kids are dragged off and beyond the door. You know, there's this one individual that we later see played by John Getz when he's older. And that's like the person she approaches upon and is like confronting him about his being an abuser. It's not just being a colonizer. It's not just being someone who is, like, taking control of space. But it seems directly related to abusing people in that school, right? So he gets what he deserves in the final moments of her interaction. And then she gets satisfaction. She also stands up for someone that we do not see anymore. Kind of, like, dancing around if she has her own version of daniel and her story um and then also across all these episodes these three episodes one two and three bear has been waiting for power for his cell phone and during all of this his his phone is finally charged in her car while he's waiting for her and so he's able to talk to his mother for the first time because of his interaction with her so everybody gets something that they need and everybody has kind like, a conclusion of some sorts yeah i don't know that's just things that i saw yeah
2: well we didn't really talk much about episode two give us your,
3: skip over episode two
1: your
2: thoughts on episode two matt
3: it's always great seeing graham green
2: as silly as these as the
3: as a lot of the characters are they, i mean and this is true of the the entire series is they they always address you know serious issues uh very respectfully uh mental health but i didn't i didn't see that coming until um until the end uh, so i guess they did a good job kind of Keep me engaged with what what the what Graham Greene's character was was doing.
1: Number two, Maximus. This is another episode where I feel like we learn a little bit more about William Knife Man, right? Because this is like the episode begins with like the desert, like bears stumbling into this sort of like desert scape, mm-hmm. and we see a conquistador rush at him. It's interesting that it's like a conquistador, but also there's like you know modern windmills in the background. Um, and Knife Man talks about how like this is a spirit portal. I don't know how tongue in cheek that is, or how maybe serious uh, tazo might be in writing that. But what's interesting is we're kind of seeing another version of uh, someone's spirit here, in this case, a, a colonizer spirit, a conquistador coming out, and there's sort of like a interaction between them. And then Knife Man says this thing about you know talking to Genghis Khan. So like there seems to be all these other kinds of interactions in this other spirit world. And maybe Tully's right that like maybe this is like setting up, you know, another series somehow that we're learning about the spirit world and we could have adventures in that world also. It as a side note to all that, it was interesting that Genghis Khan is somebody they mentioned as sort of like he has this joke, William Knife man, about how he looked at Genghis's hat and wanted it and then Genghis was obligated to give him the hat based in like, you know, old Indian, in that old Indian way, (laughs) gifting it if he liked it. I don't know where I sit with this because there's sort of like this underlying relationship between like indigenous peoples and Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan populating the world. And there's the theory that we can, you know, link us, I guess, even like the Mongolian forms of architecture and artwork. A lot of people make links between us. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know how much, you know, this is like Cosba Chavez putting a theory out there about us in relation to Genghis Khan. It's probably not. It's probably a joke, but I was just thinking about all these things because all of a sudden, you know, these are new things to us as viewers about like the reservation dog spirit world and what this means about like indigeneity. But I thought that was interesting uh, outside of Graham Greene. Graham, it, like you said, it's it's cool to see Graham Greene. It's nice to see this sort of like set up with like star people it's nice to see this character who seems to be sort of like a paranormal expert the way that we kind of see this happen in other movies it kind of reminded me of dark skies Mm -hmm. jk simmons character who's sort of like a ufo expert that these parents have to go to to get information it kind of felt like that where there's like a cloistered environment like there's tinfoil on the walls there's like maps and like photos of like ufos and like he's talking about like the details of when you the peak hours for ufo observation and then of course he like has this fear that they're being tracked like all those things that are like this paranormal paranoia i don't know what we call this like a conspiracy theory area so that was interesting just to get a sense of like this sort of also kind of post-apocalyptic feel like his wardrobe and the fact like his, his hair to, his hair yeah his, his the vehicle he's driving across mm-hmm. the landscape and he's like going to like a shed like it's a bunker and talking oh, when, about like his, when they're about to go in the, the the tunnel yeah the drain pipe tunnel yeah yeah <laughs> and the the music that plays and you know all uh, the fact that there's like you know smoke in the in the these environments all those things feel like they're also, like a genre science fiction kind of. Um, so, that was really cool to feel. It's sort of like punk uh, science, science fiction that I feel like we rarely ever see ourselves in. That felt a little bit like Night Raiders, a little bit, uh, even though it's like not a Danis episode. It kind of felt like an X File episode at the end, also. There's sort of like the approaching of like quote unquote, like whatever he sees, Star People.
2: So, was there smoke on the water? <laughs>
1: There's no, there's no smoke on the water
2: but there's spirit in the skies
1: <laughs> <laughs> there was an interesting kind of like revelation of the past just like in the dear woman episode in the in the previous season we get hints of like big and in this episode there's also like an eight millimeter projector that graham green's character maximus turned. oh yeah on.
3: yeah that was really effective
1: yeah really interesting because we see like young people from like another time period that includes irene
2: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: right from like goodnight irene like and also like cheeses irene um but we also see mabel we see a young mabel in this footage we are introduced to other kind of like younger characters implying that like you know like these res kids are a constant part of a cycle right and Maybe Bear is seeing an alternate version of his own future. He could maybe turn out to be like Maximus and excluded and considered to be like unstable because he has these visions of things that not everybody sees. But that was really interesting. That was super interesting to see this other history. And I feel like we're starting to, between the last season and this season, we're starting to see these adults reveal something about the past. I mean, that's also like, you know, in episode one, there's a moment where teeny and Laura are sitting down on a bench while they're waiting between like bus stations. And they have this conversation about whether or not like being an adult feels like there's any difference from when you're younger. And Teenie says, there's no difference. It feels the same. Only you have more baggage. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a great moment where like Alora is learning just like a Mabel. She's like learning from older people, what the future means and she's maybe finding lessons about how to be like, I don't know, a, you know, a guiding figure or like this person of responsibility and the sacrifice that adults make or like what their world's like. Uh, but it feels like Bear's seen that a little bit here. It feels like because he's not had his father in his life, it feels like that's been missing. And it feels like Knife Man, he confronts him in this same episode at the beginning. He's like, get away from me, you're not you're the opposite of my father you're like always there when i don't want you and and here's another example of like maybe like a guiding male figure for him and in the end he says i believe you i believe in what you're seeing because he can relate he sees things also he sees knife man i don't i guess he he doesn't see the star people in the same way but that's an interesting kind of parallel that maybe he might become like Maximus or at least now he's got like somebody that is very similar to himself that he can like see a future as an adult.
2: This dude could also be seen as like a possible future of uh, bear.
1: I think so. Yeah. You know, like I, I think if he gets isolated and is not around his friends and he starts to only have knife man, you know, people will think he's crazy. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, non native people are going to incarcerate him or put him into some sort of uh, health facility against his will. E- even though, like, there are clearly things that are rooted in our indigenous belief system about like constellations and um, medicine and interacting with these spirits that are from the sky. And then, c- clearly, in interaction with the past that's documented in film, all those are really interesting. Another episode where we spend time with Bear, episode two and episode
3: three. I thought that was, that surprised me that they, that they well, these three have been so Bear-centric. I, I will say that because these are Bear-centric, I am missing
1: everybody else. We spent a little bit of time yeah. with them on the bus. I am definitely missing time with uh, with Kenny Boy, with Big. like They they haven't even been in any of these episodes. Um, I'm also missing Jackie. Like, I feel like there was a developing oh, relationship yeah. between Jackie and Laura. Yeah, everybody says that. They're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Happened yeah. <laughs> and, you know, when they come home on the bus in episode one, almost everybody was there when they left in epi- in the episode finale of season two when they were going off to California. Everybody was there. And, like, Jackie has that moment with Laura, of, like, maybe you'll do better and uh, be safe. And it feels kind of weird that I don't know where Jackie is and I don't know what's going on with Laura and So I'm missing that. I'm I'm assuming we're going to see them. I mean, like, you know, the new episode, it seems to have big in the imagery that's online, Mm -hmm. but it feels like uh, I'm definitely missing them.
2: Good, strong first three episodes. We can't wait to see the rest. Don't want to see the end, but it just may well do. We hope that they're like, it's that bullshit thing. You know how people's like, yeah, this will be our final season, blah, blah, blah. And then Actually, we're going to do one more season because the fans asked for it. That's what we hope for, but <laughs> just in I think,
3: case. I've heard Sterling say that I think that there's a possibility that the characters will be revisited somehow. I, I think I read that somewhere. If, if if some of these were truly backdoor pilots, I feel like the, the big and Kenny Boy certainly could lead to, I don't know, so, some kind of limited series.
1: I'm definitely waiting for a big uh, Dark Winds crossover.
3: Oh man, <laughs> that's what I want. Worlds collide. <laughs> worlds collide.
2: Big and the dude who picked up Deer Woman—that was Jim Chi, wasn't it? That picked up Deer Woman in that the first time we meet Deer Woman at the end of the episode. Wasn't that Jim Chi?
1: What? Was it? I was think it,
2: it? Was <laughs> it? Don't give me don't give me lying. But I thought it was because he had a little cameo at the end where he picks picks her up and drives off in his badass car. Or maybe it was at the beginning. He was in one of those the badass cars. Just like Jim Chi drives into the other movie or other show. What episode is that? Season three. Episode three? No, that's what you guys No, are. that's
1: the current one, yeah.
2: Ow.
0: Ow.
2: I think it's episode five of season one. Come and get your love, right?
1: Come and get your love, yeah. Yeah, Kyla Gordon plays Bunny Tiger.
2: So they're both in it. Crossover time. Both are the same characters. That was Jim Chi driving to New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: uh, that was like a, It was also in a different time period, right? Like I think.
2: Oh shit! Yeah, it was right. <laughs> right, that was him because that was like the seventies, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. oh fuck. At least that's Jim Chi for sure. Until somebody says different. Oh, one thing I'll, I'll say,
1: episode one, maybe my favorite thing about episode one, I, I definitely felt like it was a little rushed because they're trying to figure out how to get us back in, and we jump past California which I wanted to see but once we're on the bus and we're seeing all the characters interact it was interesting to learn about Elora I feel like we were learning things about Laura that I didn't know like that she's good at playing football she says this about like the past like what I mentioned she's like becoming a little bit more like an adult by being responsible like learning lessons about like how do you herd kids or whatever mm-hmm. but uh, she also learns ab- about her father that her father is alive, that teeny is, you know, they, Facebook, Facebook friends. Facebook with friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm anticipating that we're going to learn a little bit more about that. I'm curious, and 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 being, you know, part white is something that the series hasn't really addressed yet. But then dealing with a father figure who is there, it's interesting. I'm curious to see where that goes.
2: Fuck man, y'all got me excited i'm ready to i'm ready to to just binge watch all week long i would say you know, everybody watch these episodes and if you ain't watching them play them anyway just so they can get those numbers up because we want more like native content for sure uh, you know you're doing your dishes play the show you're taking a shit play the show <laughs> whatever you doing just have the show play
1: yeah then maybe maybe they'll be forced to do a fourth season because we're all watching it over and over. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Ardell, Ardell, gives Sterling another show. I, is he trying to do Power Highway as a TV show or as a movie? Ardiana.
1: Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I heard that. Yeah, I heard that he's got another show where he's like recreating something, but not that. That's very interesting.
2: Oh, did I spill the beans? I don't know. I heard it on another podcast, so I don't think it's hidden. But yeah, he's talking about doing Power Highway.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's cool.
2: So, hopefully, as a TV show or movie. But anyways, y'all did all three episodes. We We're did probably- all three. We kind of hopped around. It's Indian way, man. That's Indian time. That's how we do it, man. We don't, we don't do anything linear. All right, Matt, you want to sign us off?
3: Thanks for listening. Catch us out on all the socials, on the Facebook, the the, the Twitter, the Instagram. X. X. I'm so sorry. The X. No more Twitter. We'll catch yep. you soon at the same indigenous time on this same indigenous podcast. And remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it, keep it real. Real. Indigenous. indigenous. Jeez.
1: <laughs> Not because of me this time. I know. I was way
2: ahead of you guys. Ha <laughs> ha